Microphone check one two one two. Hello and welcome to the ITK show. I am the ITK Jaji Prime here with the first episode of the new rebranded ITK show. Those of you who might be a bit familiar with me, you know that we had the ITK podcast running back in twenty sixteen to like twenty seventeen. Um, and we were mostly covering, you know, social, political happenings in Nigeria and Africa. We're also touching on America, and you know, also discussing various cultural things. Um, but right now, um, this new show, I want to just zone in and and focus only on Nigerian society, Nigerian politics, Nigerian history. Um, and that's what will be. That's the scope of this podcast. So the ITK show, or rather this show podcast, whatever. Um, the ITK show will be focusing on dissecting and providing unfiltered commentary on Nigerian politics and you know um, Nigerian whatever is going on in Nigerian society. We'll try and cover as much as we can. So you know. Um, I can't. I, I I actually just jumped into this episode, and I thought I would need a bit more preparation, but I might as well just get into it. So, um, uh, forgive me if I'm a bit rusty. It's been a while. It's been a minute since since I've like uh, since I've recorded a podcast. Um, kind of been exploring different media formats the past couple of years. And um, I'm really keen on seeing how I'm going to make everything come together. So welcome once again to the ITK show. Um, a lot's been going on in Nigerian politics. Obviously, election season. It's interesting. We stopped um, ITK podcast just as Buhari was, you know, kind of in its first year, first first year of office. Um, I kind of wanted to give Buhari a shot. I wanted to see um you know give him time i didn't think that you know i could assess him immediately he got into office so we're going to be talking obviously this was an election year so we're going to start off by you know kind of recapping the 20 the just concluded 2019 elections in nigeria obviously touching on servergate briefly um we're going to be talking about of course um our president for the next four years president Buhari, we're going to be, you know, kind of taking a look and a listen at his um, inaugural address. And then um, um, after that, what will we be doing? After that, I think we're going to talk briefly on, on um, you know, the, the person formerly known as the wife of the president, uh, now the first lady, Aisha Buhari. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk that, just jump into that. Um, but basically I wanted to talk a bit about like what I think is going to happen or looking, you know, kind of taking a sneak peek into the future in terms of the media scene. I feel like, um, now more than ever, um, it's important to have unfiltered and, you know, um, um, unbiased commentary it's important that we have these discussions about the country about nigeria in the most you know open honest and you know 
non-partisan way i feel like the next four years every even the past four years everybody just kind of hedged a tent you know apc pdp and and most of the commentary was just instead of focusing on issues people were just kind of going back and forth it was just like you know this contest between parties and i don't think that's productive from our democ for our democracy i think that now that it's kind of gone from you know the the ruling party it flipped to the opposition the opposition has won elections a couple times now we can actually start looking at you know developing more ideological and you know um styled politics really focusing on issues and policies as opposed to what where your allegiance lies um so i also think within that the media needs to step there we need to all step our games up in how we cover um what's going on i think we need to be very transparent with what we what we're saying and um yeah so if anything this hopes to be a a small voice to what is you know nigeria's ever changing dynamics so yeah back to our just concluded elections the 2019 elections i have to say like since i started following politics actively i feel like uh loki that was it was like it was like one of the most uncompetitive elections it was it was it seemed almost obvious from the onset what was going to happen and i don't think nigerians got the best out of we didn't really see a a a a incumbent be tested on their credentials like we didn't really see the opposition push you know the apc government and buhari into like really accounting for themselves and kind of like and i don't want to do this comparison and even when we discuss uh, president buhari's inaugural speech Wait, um I don't want to do this whole comparison between you know like looking at other countries but sometimes you have to looking at like um America during their elections and like when Hillary was would instead of stating why you should vote for her was kind of like just saying you know I'm not Trump it kind of validates the the person you're going against because you're you're basing you're you're setting them as the criteria instead of saying hey hey this is what i'm going to do and again that's kind of my problem with atiku it was like everything he was saying was just just to be opposite of buhari he he didn't really stand for anything and i think that was a real problem nobody really believed in him and he, i never saw atiku as like this kind of competitive politician I've never seen him as somebody who had a sphere of influence that could possibly challenge um um you know Buhari as much as I don't like to admit how you know sectional Nigerian politics is people control blocks of influence in this country on a regional basis and like both Atiku and 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 Buhari have you know concurrent spheres of influence in the north and obviously buhari is the bigger bigger f- politician so i never saw him as being competitive but um 
I think that the elections kind of showed that um, PDP still has influence. It's waned, but they, they still have, you know, that kind of infrastructure to rally people. I don't think they laid the most solid plan. They didn't have the most solid game plan. And I think that's just because they had a very bad candidate in in Atiku. Atiku is not the most charismatic guy. He didn't seem to have any real substantial ideas. And he doesn't have the pedigree or the past, you know, the history that a Buhari can point to. You know, there's a tangible history to Buhari that he can go and say, yo, I was here in the 80s and at least you saw me lock people up. Um, Atiku was kind of like, you know, just a VPN. He, he, he's not remembered for anything substantial. So all in all, I don't think we had the most, we were spoiled for a competitive contest and you know, it just felt like Buhari didn't care. And, you know, speaking of Buhari not caring, like, honestly, that's my main problem and my main concern, even with an outlook to the future, looking at the next four years in Nigeria. Buhari does not seem concerned. He does not seem like he really cares what public perception is about him. He does not seem to really care. He cares a lot about international perception because even with the media president buhari rarely speaks to nigerians you can count the number of times he speaks um he has the national addresses on uh, either in the, on independence days so and then two democracy day addresses i think that's correct he has one media chat he did in 2016 then he has the other media chat he did recently with uh nta always with nta he's never done any independent like independent interviews he did them you know during the campaigns maybe you know as president-elect but as soon as he gets into office he does not field questions from the media and and even NTA obviously is not going to press him and ask him hard-hitting questions because they're all, you know, government people. So we've never, we never have an opportunity to really hear the president. It makes him seem like, not only seem, he just point blank tells me that he doesn't care. So I think that's going to be our entry point, you know, looking at this inaugural address, this is one of the rare times we get to hear from the president and even i know even i was a bit upset like um he was sworn in on may 29th and there wasn't really any sort of official word as to when he would be having an official inaugural address it was just kind of like let's just assume that he'll have one on june 12th of course nigeria has moved we've moved that democracy date from may 29th to june 12th so it's an interesting you know like, I know there were Eid celebrations, then you had May 29th, then you had June 12th. So a lot of like, it was a long holiday for a lot of people. So um, on June 12th, he had his inaugural address. We're going to, you know, be listening into some of the things he said, but just kind of like a broad overview. You know that we know that um, President Buhari sort of campaigned and, you know, has been sticking to his uh, three cardinal 
points um, in dealing with Nigeria, basically, you know, corruption, insecurity, and the economy. Um, again, Buhari is not the most charismatic speaker. Speaking is not his strong suit. And, and I don't want to, you know, kind of assess the, the speech prematurely, but honestly, I've watched this, this speech kind of three times and we're going to play some clips here. I didn't get anything, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get a comprehensive, you know, kind of grasp of where the country is. Um, and it doesn't seem like the president even has a complete grasp of it or even has like a coherent plan yet for the future. Because like I said, we only hear so frequently from the president and on special occasions like this, especially after you've just completed your first four terms, something that you've worked your whole life for, we should get a breakdown. So um, he kind of started off the 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 his speech kind of, you know, talking broadly on Nigeria's unity. You know, he kind of, there were a lot of, you know, um, flashbacks in his speech. He he touched briefly on his educational history for anybody that's still in doubt of his, you know, educational certificate. He talked about being in the army and working for Nigeria's unity. I think that that was a very, you know, um, kind of touching aspect to his speech. Um, I'm going to play something that I found here. We're going to listen into this for a bit. Where is it? Right here. And uh, we're going to play. The bulk of our real wealth lies in agriculture, livestock, forestry, and mining. We possess all the ingredients of a major economic power on the world stage. What we require is the will to get our acts together. And our strength is in our people, our youth, our culture, our resilience, our ability to succeed despite the odds. A huge responsibility before rest on this. So there you can hear the president, you know, kind of talking about um what nigerian strengths are later on he would go on to talk about like nigeria's role in the rest of africa going back in history to look at you know our role in conflicts in liberia you know with ecomog our role in the liberation struggles in angola south africa all of that all of that and you know that was all kind of interesting and i guess it being like 20 years of our democracy, fair enough, we're going down history, we're going down history lane. Another interesting part here. We identify three cardinal and existential challenges our country faced and made them our campaign focus, namely security, economy, and fighting corruption. None but the most partisan will dispute that in the last four years, we have made solid progress in addressing these challenges. When I took the oath of office on 29th May 2015, insecurity reigned. 
apart from occupying a chill local government in the northeast, Boko Haram could at will attack any city, including the federal capital, could threaten any institution, including Bembo in the United Nations building and police headquarters in Abuja. Admittedly, some of the challenges still remain in kidnappings, banditry in some rural areas. The great difference between 2015 and today is that we are meeting these challenges with much greater support to the security forces in terms of money, equipment, and improved local intelligence. So there um, we can hear the president, you know, his three main, his three point agenda, a very simple agenda, which I think came at the expense of everything else. The kind of tunnel vision, um, the kind of tunnel vision that this administration has undertaken, you know, you would think that focusing, you can't run governments by just focusing on three things. Now, I'm not saying that as though it were a bad thing. Obviously, these are the three most pressing issues. But um, I don't think it's news to anybody that most people feel that President Buhari has not done enough. Um, I mean, even he acknowledges, you know, that security challenges still exist, even though um, the war against Boko Haram has taken a new dimension and they are weakened they still exist and you know i understand in the in the interest of security you know not wanting to reveal too much but it's still kind of vague why does boko haram still exist at this point you know we keep hearing the nigerian security officials dismissed you know this as just you know they're in pockets of strongholds or in they're they're in the forest but why is it that we can't have a decisive, you know, blow towards, you know, strike out Boko Haram completely. What is the missing link? Before um, President Buhari came into office, he was very, you know, very, very firm in his assessment of, you know, the PDP's handling of Boko Haram, always, you know, highlighting that they were a ragtag group. But here we are four years later and there's still an issue. And even though he might, you know, kind of dismiss the banditry and the herdsmen issues as kind of being in rural areas. I mean, if Abuja to Kaduna is no longer safe to the level that, you know, people are being kidnapped and that route is no longer safe and it's causing a knock-on effect with the newly constructed railway being, you know, over capacity that, you know, all of these things are still issues that exist. And it exists not just because, you know, they're tough, but what what does it say about the leadership? We have a leadership who doesn't like to share. Everything is close to the chest, even within this speech. While, um, you know, the president, in, in terms of talking about corruption, a lot of his, 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 justification or assessment it still ties back to you know things were hard before we got in and you know they're still hard and i don't know like the uh, buhari administration 
there's very few thing tangible successes like i said the main three f- point focus they had throughout the administration corruption they didn't fully succeed on even the president admits that they didn't succeed on it despite all what he was saying about them building solid cases he himself acknowledges that they couldn't close any case he um he said this i think in his media chat with nta i think before it was this year i don't know if it's before elections or just i think it was before the elections no after after the elections and he's like um you know back back in the day back in his military dispensation he you know his word was law and he could do whatever he wants and you know lock people up essentially i'm sorry i'm not quoting him directly by the way but basically like now the procedures are different and it's harder to um you know get get convictions and like i said for somebody who has aspired to this goal for as long as he has and to even admit this in his speech you would think he's more prepared now um i think the main takeaway the main success of this speech and of this whole democracy day thing and it's kind of been the main success for the past couple of years is the you know mk honoring the legacy of the late chief mk omashud abiola um so yeah i think one of the main successes of this speech or what most people are focusing on is the um honoring the legacy of late chief mko obviously talking about the annulment of the june 12 1993 elections in terms of moving our democracy day to june 12 also renaming the abuja stadium after him and um i mean that's great it is it is some an honor he already gave last year by conferring the title of GCFR to MKO last year i think he presented the award is it the title rather to his son um and yeah that's great for our democracy and i think it also does a lot in terms of healing those wounds i think there's one big wound that nigeria as a country needs to heal and only the government can heal that and i think that's in the matter of biafra but that's that's such a big issue that i will not touch it today but we'll look at it a bit later um there's one sound bite i have to play even if i don't talk about it too much and that is right here is unattainable china has done it india has done it indonesia has done it nigeria can do it <clears throat> these are all countries characterized by huge burdens of population child in kidnappings banditry in- so um when I, you remember when at the start of the show i said something about comparing countries so buhari also had this mini section where he was talking about how you know india has kind of succeeded with using a democratic dispensation as a large country and 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 achieving growth india has done it you know we can do it too 
also he doesn't know how to say characterized um i think that <sighs> i think that there's a big problem with innovation and i think that that comes from leadership and what i mean by that is even looking at the speech in looking at the overall posturing of this administration there there hasn't been any in anything really innovative done most of even with the economy there haven't been any innovative policies taken even when it comes to the naira sort of maintaining stability many would point out that this was only possible because of the vice president who you know kind of um put this policy in place when he was acting president during one of the various times that president buhari was away in london receiving medical treatment a lot of people would say that that was that only happened like the naira is only stable because of yemio simbajo speaking of yemio simbajo i'm of the belief that apc should have fucking benched buhari and just ran osimbajo now like you don't need to agree with me but if you look at it from this angle of he's a very is charismatic he 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 takes all the boxes he takes every box he's like an intellectual he's he, he's you know younger um for me i'm like in my 20s so young for me is actually 35 that's no slight to his age but he's definitely younger definitely someone who who could unite the nation in terms of just his posturing i think that president buhari is very rigid he's so rigid um he's so rigid i don't know him not speaking to the nigerian media really bothers me because i remember at the onset of his administration whenever he'd go for like international trips i think when he went to washington he 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 wrote in the in the Washington Post some article and it's like how many Nigerians have access to the Washington Post that you're writing this like beautiful article filled with like you know it was filled with you know flowery statements but still beautiful well written and you don't you don't you don't receive Nigerian media who are you the president of like this kind of just nonchalance is very worrying um but yeah I don't think we are looking to innovate. I think we're looking to the past a bit too much. I think we're looking outside a bit too much and we've not yet really sat down like Buhari in his speech was talking about like agriculture remains the backbone of Nigeria and it's like this isn't the 1800s where we just farm and like the world doesn't work that way. We need to constantly innovate and you he he said it like um growing crops is nigeria's problem no our land is arable because we can grow crops nigeria's problem it lies in poor feeder roads poor transportation poor storage and the fact that we don't have any manufacturing and processing industries in nigeria the only thing he mentioned in his uh um um speech in terms of one of these elements in solving them was he acknowledged the problem in feeder road but if we don't have enough storage facilities no matter how much we grow it is going to spoil naturally if we do not process i know that the apc was really keen on waiting for the dangote tomato paste whatever plants to come online and that hasn't come online and 
Ooh, that's another big problem and i think we'll touch on that next week like um in our overall assessment of apc the apc administration like um the whole reliance on dangote thing is going to come back and buy everybody into us so um even with transport he, he mentioned the need to rehabilitate roads and you know better work on our infrastructure i will acknowledge that it does seem that under the past four years there have been more road constructions the apc has done a lot in terms of trying to complete those contracts and you know things like the second niger bridge obviously very commendable railways are still slow like the only thing that has really come online is um, abuja to kaduna that was already pretty much completed by the jonathan administration and it's already having problems like the demand is too high they can't even you know, it's already overcrowded. So um, I think from this speech, I did not gain any sense of... I mean, it was nice. I don't get any sense of, like, Buhari caring, even though he he talks about youth unemployment and wanting to bridge the gap. Um I just don't get any sense that, you know, there there's any urgency. And speaking of urgency, I was reading this um, opinion article on Pulse by Jude Egbas. I don't know if I can find it now, but one thing that he said there that I really agree with, I agree with, with like the overall tone. I think the article was on, um, sorry about that noise, by the way. I think the article was on um, how long are we going to wait for ministers at this point in time? Like I said, the the inaugural speech back in 2015 was a lot more, you know, with giving directives, you know. If you remember, he talked about move. He said you should, the military should move their, their head of operations to my degree. He was issuing instructions, you know, very, you know, confident. Yo, I'm the go-to guy. And this one, he's still saying and stating the same problems that, he talked about i know there are a lot of people in the camp of you know i told you so um part of me acknowledges that yeah maybe some people were right maybe they did know that you know um this was how it was going to turn out but i don't think that's the most constructive line of con of conversation I, i don't know if saying i told you so gets anything done because at the same time like even with Jonathan, like a lot of people were, ended up being like, I told you so. You really can't predict how. I don't think the responsibility of the voter is to predict. It's just to try and follow their instincts based on who provides the most compelling case. But at the same time, um, I don't, I'm not too confident in um, Buhari's administration. So we're going to obviously weekly look at this. It's it's an ongoing thing. I do think there's some things he's done well. Don't get me wrong. And we'll look at that when we go through a, a comprehensive look at Buhari's, you know, administration next week. I just wanted to quickly play um the inaugural address some just a, maybe 30 seconds or a minute of the inaugural address of President Obasanjo back in 1999, just so that we see how far we've really come. Swearing in the second term of Nigeria's president. 
It's the second term, 2000. Fellow Nigerians, while we celebrate today as the crowning moment of the elections, that the process has entailed fighting on numerous fronts, especially for the political contestants who tend to see the electorate as a battleground where opponents are to be vanquished. Naturally, the electioneering has meant times of heightened passion for individuals as well as groups and communities who pushed for victory. Way to advance this country that belongs to all of us is through solidarity and hard work. Fellow citizens, the coincidence of this day with the anniversary of our national human, human rights, democracy, and Thanksgiving Day gives me, gives me and gives all of us opportunity once again to reflect on the journey since May 29, 1999, which marked the end of 15 years of undemocratic military rule. We can all recall how the entire nation breathed a sigh of relief when we greeted the new dawn with a collective cry of never again. As the incoming administration then, we were fully conscious of the high expectations by which the rot will immediately be put to an end. Our infrastructure will resurrect from its ruins and our comatose public services will function again. The Nigerian society was free to dream of a social organization that will be free of rampant corruption and pervasive indiscipline. The citizens dreamt of a restoration of social values and the reinstatement of self-pride. Most of all, the feeling of despair and trauma had been such that 29th May 1999 was perceived by many as virtually the last opportunity to rescue the nation from the edge of a precipice of demise. In answering the challenge, we declared without intending to dampen people's expectation that, that, it, that, it, that it be. That was, um, that was the, you know, the, the second inaugural address of President Obasanjo in 2003. You know, basically saying the same things. Um... I don't even want to get into this whole um, Buhari's undermining Obasanjo by moving the democracy day. I think that that's just like, I think that that's just petty. Nigerians being petty, honestly. Um, what was next on the bill? Uh, hold up, sorry. Oh yeah, servergate. So Nigeria is having our own little servergate issue. Basically, for those of you who who aren't caught up, uh, after the elections, or rather, I think as election results were being announced in Nigeria, 
I think the opposition party, PDP, basically was like, they have the results of the election from INEX servers, and it shows that they won by over a million votes. And that the results that the that were being announced by INEC are fake, that they have the legitimate results. So there was kind of a big, you know, hey, the servers were hacked. Then I think the PDP went to court to, I think, subpoena some shit. I think they went to court just basically to be, to, to prove or to ask the court to make INEX answer to whether they, or not they had a server. So it comes out today that INEX says they don't have a server and then everybody's shouting conspiracy, basically. Now, does INEX have a server? Probably. I th- I'd like to think that the database of Nigerian voters is what would be considered as the server. I think the problem here is they're talking about, is there an election is there a election collation server? Like, was there a server that counted all the votes and did all the arithmetic and had the results? And INEC is like, no. And to be honest, I'm inclined to believe that because if we were collating results in that way, that would be electronic voting. There would be no need for the paper ballots and the paper counting and you know uh state recs coming all the way to abuja to <clears throat> sort of announce the results of, of a sheet of paper in front of everybody like we would it would have been a, na- a an issue of national discussion on the matter of electrical electronic voting which we did not have i think there was even some speculation and people dismissed it. I think both parties even dismissed it. I think the PDP was actually very vocal in like saying that APC was going to rig the elections. So we didn't formally move to electronic voting. We're still on the paper-based voting. I'm seeing this video floating around of like um, instructions on using it. Um, I think that the technology definitely exists within the card readers that we were using. But I don't think, I think that with any new technology, you want to s- sensitize the people that are using it. I think that it's definitely the works. We would definitely see, probably come to use e-voting very soon. But this whole thing that, oh, um, um, people, people are doing, there's some secret results on the server. I don't believe it. I don't buy it for a second. I think that the the PDP is doing a very poor job at being the opposition party. Um, PMB has been making so many blunders, so many blunders. Speaking of like back to media, like both spokespeople of the Buhari administration are just very poor at responding to issues. I know that Buhari is very slow. Um, very slow in responding to issues and, and the type of issues he chooses to respond to, especially on public, public platforms. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't show him in the best light. So 
looking at the next four years, um, I think that we definitely, even though I'll go into this in detail next week, I think that we definitely need to talk. We definitely need to be on Buhari's case because if, if, I don't know if it will matter even. I know that it, it will be very interesting for some people to hear me say that, but I don't think it will matter. I think that the only thing actually, because Buhari shows to be such a stubborn person, I think the only thing that will work in Nigerians' f- favor would be the hope that he wants to leave a lasting legacy. He would want to leave something behind. And I do think that he, he desires that. I think that um, President Buhari's you know, leadership icon is Nelson Mandela, um, somebody who he always references. Even in this speech, he referenced Mandela. I think that he admires Mandela a lot, which is why earlier um, I thought that he was only going to do one term and hand over. And that would have been the perfect situation. The perfect thing would have been for him to do a term and hand over. Even if he didn't do anything, I think that once things started to move forward with an Osimbajo administration, the whole symbolism of him stepping down after one term would really resonate with people. Um, that's not to say that Buhari, you know, has not done symbolic gestures. I think he needs to do a lot more. I think that he needs to work hard in this these next four years to really show people that he cares. Um, I think one such video that really struck me, it's in Hausa, so I'll translate a bit. But one such video that really struck me was of a young lady complaining about um, President Buhari's attitude towards the Zamfara killings. And even though I didn't like what the conversation was born out of, she definitely, you know, put some valid points. So let's take a listen here. So uh, she said that she's going to speak in Hausa for those people who don't understand. social media, next level. next level social media. that um i think that every everybody is kind of on the same page that buhari has not done excellently there's nobody confidently beating their chest saying that buhari has done the best and i'm not of the camp saying that he is the worst i think that he and we'll get into it next week i really don't want to do too much of an assessment but i do think that a lot of people are kind of fed up with his seeming apathy 
And this is a president who has enjoyed a lot of goodwill. Even when he was ill, he still, despite Nigeria's, you know, kind of um, 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 PTSD with that kind of situation, there was still a lot of sympathy and understanding. So I don't, th- I hope that he does not, uh, he does not belittle that and it is on his mind because there are a lot of things that he doesn't even mention anymore like bring back our girls is basically like you know not even a conversation for him so next week we'll really take a look at the buhari administration we'll be looking at um the various ministries and how i feel they've done um um i have spoiler alert i'm not Obviously, I think they've all done a very mediocre or a non-existent, non-existent job. But before we close up, real quick, I just want to say one or two things about this uh, this uh, Aisha Buhari story and then just close on f- with content. I know that coming back, I said that this would be a shorter episode, but here we are. I've already yarned for like 45 minutes but we'll try and keep it under an hour. But yeah, Aisha Buhari, who, when, you know, APC first came into government, they were riding on this low-key thing, which is another thing that Buhari said nothing about in his speech, like, how have they cut costs? But we'll get into that next week. Um, You know, she doesn't want to be referred to as the wife of the president. Now she wants to be referred to as the first lady. Look, man, y'all niggas need to make up your mind because... I don't think anybody was pressed about this being an issue. They made it an issue by saying they were going to remove the office of the first lady, which like was unnecessary. It was a slight at the Jonathan administration. A lot of people were angry with the Jonathan administration and just wanted to see symbolic gestures for you to go back on it and do it so blatantly. Again, y'all just don't respect Nigerians. And that's why Nigerians need to speak up because it is only by speaking up, especially about two decades after um, democracy. And I know it is hard to speak up, especially in a society. Oh, damn it. I didn't even talk about Sudan. Speaking of like media blackout, especially in a society where, 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 you know, people are kind of target being targeted. It's not happening on a rampant scale, but it's happening frequently enough for it to be worrisome where journalists express opinions. Like journalists in Nigeria don't express opinions anymore. And part of it is fear and part of it too is, you know, uh, a lack of, you know, you know, passion and interest in, the, in journalism. But Buhari cannot go around saying that Nigerian journalists don't do investigative journalism when you yourself do not grant interviews or, or are not like, look at America again. I don't mean to compare, but Trump does a press conference every other day. A White House press conference. There's a State of the Union every year. Or is it every four years? I think it's every year. And these are detailed. Like, we got no real stats or figures from President Buhari's inaugural address. So, we just need to speak up, man. And that's what I'm saying. Even with starting back this show. Like, everybody, I think, has a responsibility. If you hate something, if you feel that something is wrong, you feel it in your heart. If you have a little bit more power, you speak against it. 
until you can act against it and that's just really what itk and this show has always been about just you know trying to speak your little truths as like a concerned citizen and um i'll always try and you know keep the conversation um keep the conversation balanced and really focus on issues and not just like blindly even though that's low-key what the show is about bashing nigerian politicians but not bashing but but you know let's try and let's try and really care about what we're doing here so on that note like i think it's fair if i close the show here i'm sorry this is a bit rusty you know once once i really kick into gear you guys know how it is now once i really kick into gear and um a solid um a solid and get the format all right um it's definitely going to be you know it already is you guys are gonna enjoy the show more basically um sorry if it's a bit rusty this is just like testing um we'll be back next week obviously i wanted to have this up every friday um so be sure to stay tuned this is the itk show we'll see you next week peace